This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. And shake them ropes. Use code ropes. Double your first deposit up to $1,000. More thanking them later. Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrito, and. Uh, Thank you, Chris. <laughs> one more time. Thank you, Chris. Never forget. Never forget. Never forget. All that Chris has done for the show. <laughs> May he rest in peace. No, um, <laughs> I can't believe they did that, Jeff. Uh, for for those who may not have watched SmackDown yet, uh, part of the tribute to Pat Patterson was one voice <laughs> saying, thank you, Pat. <laughs> Overdubbed like 20 or 30 times with no difference in the inflection. I, w- what you heard here off the Casio... Thank you, Chris. <laughs> only marginally worse than what they came up with. I, I understood the My Way video. Maybe, maybe don't put a picture of him with children. Up there, as part of the uh, flashback, more Especially on that. Especially saying bit. I did it my way. Yeah. Um, can, can we give a touching tribute on WWE television just once? Between this and the Undertaker retirement, I, I, I don't know, Chris. This company likes to have its uh, emotional distance. Let's say. Well, I think this is hard, kind in a weird way. It's hard, like, Undertaker's was hard and having them back-to-back because I think Vince is really feeling his mortality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why you didn't get more of a speech from Vince either this this time around. Um, although, in terms of, like, entering importance, obviously Undertaker's more important, but in terms of backstage importance and... Um, being a backstage person for Vince McMahon, I feel like Pat Patterson was owed that from Vince. Pat Patterson's a genius. Pat Patterson is a wrestling genius in terms of finishes, in terms of creativity. He invented the Royal Rumble, very well known as Vince's main finish guy for a number of years. Also the first Intercontinental Champion. I'll kind of push back a little on Chris. is not as important in the ring, but I get it. He's not as well known um, as many of the in-ring performers, but yes, the first Intercontinental Champion, 
at an imaginary tournament in Rio de Janeiro, as I recall. He was crowned. Which they mentioned multiple times. So, like, to your point about can you get a serious tribute for Pat Patterson, I, I think... Uh, you know, they diminish his legacy by bringing up the tournament in Rio, um, which Pat would have been delighted by, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, anyone who looks into it goes, oh, that was a fake tournament that never even happened. Pat Patterson, a big fan of the work rate guys, so to speak, backstage. Big in terms of modern talent, big fan of both Dolph and Daniel Bryan and the others. Um, you know, his his enduring legacy will obviously probably be the Royal Rumble. Um, in terms of major accomplishments that are known and, and a whole bunch not known. Also, basically, Vince McMahon's Guy Friday, would you say? Uh, number two, uh, consigliere. Would that be a good word for him? Yeah. At times? U- utility man. Uh, bag man, if you want to. Uh, you cannot, cannot talk about the positives of Pat Patterson without talking about a few of the negatives. Uh, originally fired in the wake of the sexual harassment and ring boy scandal in 91 and 92, later rehired when the company found he had done nothing wrong and charges were dropped. Uh, Patterson also, according to Wrestling Observer's obituary, he is the one who called George Zahorian from a payphone, told him to shred all his medical records pertaining to WWF talent in the steroid scandal. Indeed, when Zahorian was arrested in his office, he was destroying such records at Patterson's request. Pat Patterson very famously once said about steroids, the boys need their candy. Um, not the best. In- I mean, look, wrestling is a... I say this a lot when old wrestlers die. You have to take the good and the bad together. You can't just take one or the other and wrestling has always been a business with a layer of scum on it in some ways. And Pat Patterson. And hangers on. And hangers on. And Pat Patterson was part of that culture. The old boys culture. You know, the, the, the kind of immature locker room culture that permeated through even, even the Attitude Era. Most famous on screen probably as one of Vince's stooges with uh, Jerry Briscoe. Uh, tremendously entertaining in that role, I thought. And that role was a rib based on their function backstage. Yes. Uh, yeah. A number of number of tributes, including uh, John Moxley's promo this week, where uh, he's in the crowd will go banana. Uh, Pat Patterson, being a French-Canadian, had certain malpropisms in the English language. That was one of them. Um, but yeah, any other... Uh, any other thoughts on Pat Patterson? I, I've really kind of tried to play it even here in terms of positive and negative with him. I, I have strong opinions on both. Well, you pushed back earlier on my take that Patterson's more important in terms of his impact on wrestling outside of the ring than inside of the ring. Uh, what yeah. is the best Pat Patterson match, I in would, your opinion? Oh, I... You know, I, I just I just didn't want to I didn't want to discount his in ring accomplishments because I believe really big I just draw. Think, like you know, you talk about the Royal Rumble, like the Patterson's lasting impact on the business is is felt in his for our generations, career. yes, yeah. Yes. Um, but for, I, I, you know, even like move styles and stuff, I don't think he's um he's not like a guy like Rick Rude who's selling style influenced a bunch of people, or like Ric Flair who's no. just overall work no, style. No, not 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 to that not to that extent. He was a 
fixture in the San Francisco wrestling scene when, when wrestling was more localized. I believe he was a tag team partner of Ray the Crippler Stevens. Don't don't quote me on that. I'm just going from memory, and I don't have his Wikipedia up, nor do I want to. Uh, yeah, but uh, he also not a big fan of the what do you like to call the Cirque du Soleil style of modern wrestling, which I found very interesting because he is a big work rate psychology guy, but not a fan of modern style per se in terms of of how it's evolved. So, yeah, I I, I think you're probably right, and I think his his enduring legacy, if not Vince McMahon's <laughs> hatchet man, bag man, consigliere. It's, it's very hard for me to divorce him and Gerald Briscoe from that role uh, because it was such a huge function of what they did in their peak days backstage when they were at the uh, the peak of their influence, shall we say? They were they were serving as bagmen. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's no other way. And it was part of the culture. You're, you're either complicit or you're fired. So, I mean, even if it was done under duress, it doesn't mean, doesn't make it right, you know? No, so, but yeah, I mean, for anyone who's familiar with the locker room culture of WWF into WWE between, you know, 1990 and let's say 2008, like, you know, uh, Patterson and Briscoe very much served a, a, a big function in the maintenance and the operation within that culture. Yes, it, it, it gave Vince McMahon disconnect and also ears in the locker room. So, yeah, I mean, Stooge is going to Stooge. The name was somewhat appropriate. Uh, but, yeah, but at the same time, he, he has passed away after a battle with cancer. Attention must be paid. And look, I love the Royal Rumble. I, I thought it was genius the first time I saw it. I saw the first one, I believe, 87 or 88 on the USA Network. I, I love the idea of a battle royale where not everybody starts at once. There's certain strategy that can be played there. Um, and, and for me, if, you know, if, if anybody in entertainment has half that legacy, they'd be happy with it, I think. I, I I don't have much more to add. I don't either. I'm Patterson. I, I really yeah, don't. I, I, you know, uh, I'm stretching it out just a little bit here so I can get my notes up for other things here. Uh, Braun Strowman. <laughs> thank you, Chris. I don't know what to thank you for, but I will yeah, thank you. Just you know, if you want, we can do a murmuring moment of silence. We can pipe <laughs> in an that, awkward that, moment that. of silence because Hawkins was insensitive during his his obituary of Pat Patterson. Um, Ron Strowman out, out with a knee injury. That's the reason for this booking right now. Uh, we'll see how that rehabs. I don't have any further information other than that. I don't know the extent of it. Uh, I think he's just going to get a little bit of rest until TLC, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah. I don't have any other thoughts on that. Cool. Uh, WWE in partnership with AmeriCares won best COVID-19 awareness program. Or <laughs> campaign in this year's Synopsis Media Model D Awards. Together, WWE and Americares helped to educate and provide resources for COVID-19 response and relief efforts. This coming off the same day the news hit that an NXT performer had COVID, but it will not affect NXT War Games. Chris, I am teeing this up for you. <sighs> You know, it, it's all—it's almost too easy, Jeff. It—it really—it really is. Uh, Are you what? kidding me? Are you kidding me with these fake corporate awards? 
I, how did how did they? You know who's who's how did they in the help business? Educate on COVID nineteen, Chris. Other than you know who's in the business it. of making these fake awards now? I it, which is kind of new to me. I didn't realize this Guinness Book of World Records now is someone you can actually contact and like get it for corporate events and and get like set stupid Guinness records um, and have them come there and certify it. And, well, you know, if you make a donation to the charity involved, they will give you a reward. I mean, and that's usually what these are. I mean, it, it's, it's a little more, th- although who's who in America is the biggest scam in America. Let me, let me just put that out there. I'm actually in one volume. Uh, but all that is, is you pay money and you're put in who's who. And they they do this a lot with like students. You are one of the most. You're the one percent of top students. How do you like to be in this directory or whatever? It's, it's ridiculous. But on the bigger front, corporate. What is it? She said uh, philanthropy is the new marketing. This is oh, all. Oh, that's this right. Is. That's right. This is yeah. All this is because I want to know how they educated me on COVID nineteen. Well, I'd like to know the the process of vetting different candidates. Who else was under consideration this year? Uh, you know, um, there are obviously a lot of different organizations. That well, maybe have done it was just job. diseases that were under consideration. Like maybe there was like a bubonic plague, although that happened in L.A. So maybe maybe awareness of the bubonic plague was not on the top tier of disease. <laughs> you know, the Red Death. <laughs> that could <laughs> Captain Trips <laughs> under consideration for best disease of 2020. Now nope, we gotta give it to COVID 19. Who's been dealing with that? How about WWE? I, I just I read this and I went, what? I, they just they have such nerve. Uh, (laughs) On some level, you almost admire the audacity, but uh, on another level, it's it's only so funny because this is a company that has been very sloppy and in denial about COVID-19 and its impact, and they wanted to keep running shows, and they wanted to run WrestleMania all the way up until the state of Florida. The state of Florida, of all states, was like, no, 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 you really shouldn't. Um, and, and then they didn't, um, th- this is not a company that, uh, has been really cool about COVID safety and really been thinking about the best way to make, uh, the safest environment. Even, even the glass stuff they were sort of dragged into, um, even wearing masks out there, they got dragged into because they had an outbreak and then they started wearing the masks like every Nearly every adjustment they have made after like the first ones that you had to make because COVID was happening, um, were each one was prompted because of a mini outbreak. Yeah, it, they've been more reactionary than proactive in every sense of the word here. And I, I, I'm just trying to think: did they ever do public service announcements? <clears throat> nope, nope. Um, they. I mean, I've messaged you about how you know, for example, the fiend is a very popular character that you're pushing heavily on the show right now, and like they haven't even been marketing fiend style COVID safety masks, which would be good branding for their company, good marketing for their company because someone's wearing it on their face would look like a cool product that a kid would want to own and would want to wear, and would be like cool and forward looking on COVID safety and something that you could tout. <laughs> when you're giving yourself fake awards. 
<laughs> like, WWE used to be able to to tout on tout until yeah, they... yeah you you could t- well yeah right yeah no uh, speaking of other bad marketing moves no uh, I, I guess like it, it's it's frustrating on that level too because yeah like they've really been this deep you nailed it a reactionary company and when there have been so many different opportunities like for example running wrestlemania as as we were mentioning and doing a decent chunk of it for charity or doing covid fundraising um at no point have they done that uh the this company uh is not cool about they had reports that they wanted fans in the fall that's right that's right Uh, you know i (laughs) i i'm i'm astounded i'm just and I don't even mind if they got a, an award. The the brazenness of they don't deserve an award. Is, is they the don't point. deserve it? And we they, know that. But the, but the, yeah. just the just the mere posturing of look at this award we got. It's it's almost you almost want to give them credit for the troll. You know. It, it, yeah. It, yeah. It, no. No. <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. Like on some level, I almost love the bold, the audacity of acting like they've been doing a good job. It's when like it's come if to they COVID tweet. Safety. It's like if they tweeted, "Look at the great job we've done in labor relations," and they just put that out there as an award, and you're just like, "Really? Yeah." You know, I or social media <laughs> social media expansion. It's just. Oh, it's anger-inducing, and I can't speak intelligently anymore on it, other than just to say it's garbage. Uh, and because I like to throw in one news story that throws you off, the company filed a trademark for Friendship Frog, so he looks becoming a recurring character. They're looking at doing Friendship Frog clothing. Uh, I will also mention that it appears that uh, the walrus character, based on Paul e, uh will no longer be on the Firefly Funhouse, due to the fact that there is no Roman program, but we are getting Friendship Frog, 40 years old, single, monocle, top hat, probably having a midlife crisis at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, he's in the friend zone. That's, I mean, that's part of what's bothering Friendship Frog. Good lord, that ending. Sa- let, let's get rid of the main roster and maybe anything NXT UK, because Wednesday is obviously the more interesting of the two things to talk about. The end segment with The Fiend and Randy Orton and Orton treating Alexa Bliss as a child. Yeah. What? And, and then the fiend begging, and like now he's sort of it. This company, man, and and it's just inconsistent babyface heel dynamic stuff. Um, who's the who's the face in that feud? Is it? It's Randy, right? Randy's the babyface. I don't know. I I I I, I don't know because because they were really playing up that the fiend was begging. And if the fiend's begging and he cares about somebody and he cares about like a woman of all things, like you might be romantically interested and what I think, I think we are full on and I don't know. I, I may ask because it's gotten to the point where a lot of character motivation logic is so screwed up. See Ray Mysterio last week interfering in matches. I think we may be back in the shades of gray period where there are no faces and heels. There's just various shades of gray 
where good guys will do bad things because it's in self-interest and it won't make any sense to us, but it makes sense to them and their internal logic. I I just don't know because this one is is like Randy was scared last week and this week he's like staring down Alexa being cray cray and <laughs> they're just like carrying her around like a child and I think Alexa Bliss is doing a fine job with it's chicken salad yeah no much. I don't dislike uh her character um it, it I don't dislike her character it's it's like she's doing a fine job playing it out she's a stupid character Okay, <laughs> that was an oh. interesting stop right there. I was just like, uh, and? No. And, um, well, no, I, I don't, there is no and there. It's just like, that's it. That's all Oh, that's is. fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, we only already got problems, as I alluded to last week, with the Hurt Business. I... Yeah, 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 there was the, all the throwing shade on Sheldon Benjamin yes. by uh, Cedric Alexander. Rickish. Oh, here we go. Yeah, your boys. Reg- take take a victory lap for your boys, Slapjack. Oh, oh, well, hold, hold on here. Hold on. Do you here. have hold a Slapjack song? Thank you, Slapjack. <laughs> Thank, Thank, you, Slapjack. Thank you, Slapjack. Thank you, Slapjack. A big win. A big win over can't miss star Ricochet. No, I mean, okay, for as you know, for years I covered Lucha Underground, and um, Prince Puma was a key star on Lucha Underground. He had a lot of great matches, and I've of course been a big fan of Mr. Jack for a long time. <laughs> And been following all of Mr. Jack's work since he's entered the wrestling world. And his brother's flap and black. Yeah. And uh, and, UConn. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. There are many Jacks. There really are. Uh, are. And and his sister, Jill. Um, But (laughs) never in my wildest dreams did I imagine worlds would collide. And the modern day everyman, Slapjack, would prevail over a prince. But a king always beats a prince. That's what I say. Yeah, but Slap he's a Jack, Jack is a king. He's well, a Jack. Yeah, yeah but a, a Jack beats a prince. <laughs> what? Do he's like, he's like a, he's like a King Jack. He's a King Jack. He's a King Jack. Oh, that's you know what? He needs to win King of the Ring now. Yeah. The king. Oh, king, I like that. I like that. King get Slappy. get get this man. Yeah, King Slap. He just walks around backstage smacking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that is actually not a bad Friday night SmackDown angle to just do for like six months where he just slaps somebody. King Slap walking around <laughs> slapping guys. And then the fourth block, he has a match. Yeah, he slaps Adam Pierce. They yep. make him go out to the ring. And <laughs> God, we're giving him ideas. Uh, the, the retribution mostly relegated to main event last week, along with <laughs> I, I just and and God bless him, he's doing a another chicken salad thing. Is Ali trying to make sense of all this, and really kind of doing a good job in these promos, but they're not leading anywhere. I, I just no I, because they can't get booked strong enough. Um, or with strong enough wins for this group to really be a credible threat at all. Um, I, you know, Reckoning is already a weak link here and is being made an example of. I think, that's example Mia of. Yim. I think yeah, well, they don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. 
I think that's Mia Yim. Because <laughs> she lost the mask. And because it's live television, <laughs> we can't we can't mention that. I, I, I think you well, should just make part of the if, story. If Murphy didn't recognize the guy he was once tag team <laughs> champions with. <laughs> How am I supposed to recognize? I don't know who Reckoning (laughs) is. That's speculative. You're speculating. (laughs) That's my favorite part of the show was halfway through the match. Corey Graves. That appears to be Steve Cutler. (laughs) Who used to be the forgotten He was definitely reading Twitter while he was doing the commentary. (laughs) Master storytellers in the WWE. I, I just... Oh my god! Oh, it hurts so bad. Uh, anything else on Raw before I go into my little SmackDown rant? Um, I'm just I'm just trying to see if the there was anything else worth mentioning here. Um, Slapjack beat Prince Puma. I I think that is uh, that's an important. Oh, we had a headline. match announced for TLC. Uh, Lana and Asuka once again facing the women's tag champs. No stipulation as yet, Chris, but can you probably guess what this is going to be? I bet you this is going to be the tables match. What? Uh, it, wait, no, no, here's the thing. The tables match really should be Kevin <laughs> Owens and Roman Reigns. And even like Owens was sort of alluding to that in his promo tonight where he said like, oh, you're the head of the table. Well, bring the ladders and chairs too. Oh, I'm Which- here. I'm here for Lana and Asuka being in a stairs match. Or something that has nothing to do with tables. And just just see them try and, well, you know, she's been through enough tables. We need another. We're going to try to put her through stairs. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, and it's the third time, which means probably the blow off of this ridiculous feud. Even though. I, they, no, they I, and I think Lana and Asuka win here. Do you? Do you think they pull the trigger on this? Because yeah, because I got the feeling that that it was like week one. It's like, all right, we're going to do this match and set them up as the contenders. And then we're going to rerun it again. And they win again. So the third time is when they lose. And then <laughs> just all our investment in this entire story is wasted. You know, you're, you're, just being, <laughs> a ne- you're being a negative Nancy here. When do I have a reason Slap- to be positive? A positive Slapjack defeated Prince Puma on Raw this week. <laughs> So mid card push for Slapjack. <laughs> next, Mania. Next Drew, Drew McIntyre match. Yeah, no, I think this is built into uh, a McIntyre versus champion Slapjack match. Do we know why Slapjack joined Retribution yet? I think he's working all of them. <laughs> no, go on, go on, because I don't want to cut this off. Please give me the sto- the oh, ballot. No. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold oh, on, no. hold on, hold on. The the Shake Them Ropes Theater is back, baby, and this time it's Chris Novembrino with the ballad of Slapjack. All right, so you're familiar with the movie from the '90s, The Usual Suspects, that yes. has Kaiser Soze. Mm-hmm. This isn't necessarily like that in any substantial way but i think slapjack is he he deliberately nerfed um someone who looks suspiciously like mia yim uh who was who is of course reckoning um and was wrestling this week uh and you'll notice that t-bar never gets a match why is that jeff i don't know you're telling the story no someone's pulling the strings 
Someone's pulling the strings. So you think that Ali's not the real leader? It's really Slapjack. Yeah, Ali's the mouthpiece. Uh, you know, the. are you familiar with the idea of the strong, silent type in history? No, Chris, tell me more. <laughs> A lot of times, people, they will speak softly, and yet they'll carry a big stick. Uh, oh. There was a, One of the presidents was into that. Uh, Roosevelt, I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm, history's great. Yeah. yeah. No, history's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's the story you got? Okay. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, I think this this ends with uh, him winning Mania, um, winning Rumble, <laughs> big push. Yeah. Oh, before we move on, let's take a break and thank our sponsors at My Bookie. Between the NFL and college ball, there's no shortage of games to watch, and with thousands of lines available on your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with My Bookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. For example, if they're playing Virginia in basketball. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action. Start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at mybookie.ag, and when you do, use our promo code ROPES, R-O-P-E-S, to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code ROPES for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards. Presidential prop bets because they still haven't paid out. They still haven't paid out. They still haven't paid out at at the major sports books. All the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at my book. And we thank them for sponsoring Shake Them Ropes and other shows here at Voices of Wrestling. All right. It's time to get my anger out and my fury. Bailey, longest reigning SmackDown women's champ of all time. Getting beat quite a bit here to build up Natty in anticipation of this tribute to the troops match, which I just assume it's a tag match between Sasha and Bianca Belair taking on Bailey and Natty. And I assume Natty's going to take the pin after Bailey walks out on her. But are we just are, are we just going to cool her off until Rumble season? Because I assume she's probably winning Rumble and then trying to heat her up again for another Sasha match. If, if you think we're getting back into an era of Shades of Grey, like when you say Shades of Grey, what I hear in parentheticals is week to week. And I just I don't know that there's a ton of thought about what these angles are about from week to week. Uh, And you really felt that with Carmella and Sasha Banks, where those two were talking about nothing for three minutes. Good Lord, that was bad. Oh, it was And I love Sasha, and I love Carmella. Uh, Yeah, no, Carmella can be very entertaining. Um, No, but that was, it was nails on a chalkboard, absolutely awful. It it was very, very bad. You know what it is? And it's, we'll get into this a bit when we talk AEW a little. It's the difference between they're not story. They're not storytelling per se. They're looking at who they're protecting in this week and who they're 
making strong in this week. So right. it's, it's one of those things where it's like, well, all right, Bailey got beat, but it's anticipation of this tag match where she'll walk out and look strong again. And we need to build up Natty because we're probably beating her next week. As opposed to what's the story we're telling? The story we should be telling is we're building up a third major star on the SmackDown brand in Bianca Belair. And they didn't do it during Survivor Series. I don't care how people watched that match. That was not that was not a strong showing by Bianca Belair that makes her into someone who can carry the division or someone you want to see in a one-on-one big-time match necessarily. It, it, it was the character of Bianca, you know, didn't get beat, ergo she's strong, and that's backstage thinking. That's not storytelling thinking. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I barely remember the way that the S- Survivor Series match finished. I will, I will, gi- I will give it to you because I have it on the brain. Um, let's see, uh, Ruby Riot gets uh, knocked out by Shayna Baszler after the Carafuna clutch is held on to too long. Uh, Oh, and she like rolls over. Bi- well, Bianca, Bianca comes in, and then Shayna gets the Carafuna clutch on her, but doesn't let go after the five count and gets disqualified. <coughs> and then she gets into a brawl with Nia on the outside, and both get counted out. Cool. Which then leaves Lana as the sole survivor. <laughs> and, and that. We're saying that that made Bianca strong. We're saying that made Bianca strong and it, and it, and it really helped Lana's character. I, I mean, really more than anything, Bianca would need to have like a main event match on Raw or something like that that gets like 20, 30 minutes. That, I think that, even a, that would I, help more. I think even if we eliminated this entire nanny story and we build a real feud between, because you can still beat Bailey. She has been given a whole lot of credibility on this, on this year long run. She has shown she can carry a division, but you can't beat her week to week. You have to space out those space out the rub that she's been given to different people. It's it's like after the, the, the Brock beating the streak thing, they were going to give that to Roman eventually after winning. And then they decide not to. So it turned into a mess on all counts and nobody ended up getting built from that. You could have a nice long match with Bianca and Bailey where Bianca beats Bailey. And then and then she's she's given that credibility. But instead we've decided to go a little clever here and we're going to have her beat Natalia after getting like walked what out of What does beating ball. Natalia mean in in 2020 though? I don't know. I you know <laughs> I, I asked I, this I, last I, week. I, I just I, I, she she's not been a serious when's the last time she's even been champion? Uh but like you know she's uh, a low-level gatekeeper person. And She's has the been... big show of the women's division. Yeah. Because she just yeah. turns she every just turns three weeks. Up, yeah. Yeah. I... <laughs> Be interested to see how many heel face turns she's had. Somebody get on that math and let me know. Oh, God. She's got to be up to, like, I would say at least 10 or 12 here over the last uh, seven or eight years. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, like Luger, like Big Show, you just don't care anymore because it's just like, okay, we're going to get this run for a while. She's going to talk about her cats, and then she's going to turn heel. And then she's, she's going to call herself great for a few weeks, 
And eventually she's going to get pummeled by another act and then she's going to turn face because that's what she is right now. Um, you know, I, I, I just find the character dull to be honest with you. Well, yeah. And to your point, when you flip someone multiple times, you don't care what happens to him either way. And that's definitely the way I feel about Natty. Um, and some people can work their way past that point, but it's asking a lot of people and not everyone can do that. And a quick note about NXT UK. I enjoy this kind of mini push. The hunt is getting, I liked the promo oh, video. Yeah. I like that match with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, F- Flash Gordon Webster and, and Mark Andrews. Yeah. I like every this. week. I sit in the dark in my closet and imagine this television show that I call NXT UK. And <laughs> there has been, let me tell you, just an unbelievable amount of wrestling on this show. Um, and I, I've really been enjoying what I've been imagining lately. Um, this whole show that was centered around the hunt and Eddie Dennis doing good promos and not being goofy. Uh, I had a very good time imagining this this week. <laughs> you want to give reference to that? Well, I mean, everyone seems to think that you. It's an imaginary it's, show. That show, we yeah, yeah. I know. I, 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 I uh, who's the guy who was on uh, the one time? Um, oh, uh, Garrett. Garrett. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he he made that joke, and other people have made that joke too. Um, I'm just going all out with it. Um, I imagine this show every week in the dark in a closet with um, <laughs> no heat for several hours. This is a figment of my imagination. A noteworthy night, Wednesday night, in terms of wrestling. Uh, go-home show for the big end-of-year NXT TakeOver. AEW's big event, Winter is Coming, made for TNT. Built around the John Moxley Kenny Omega match, did the company's best demo numbers of the year. Once again, reading from the Wrestling Observer, including beating Raw in the male 18 to 34 demo and beating SmackDown in women 18 to 34, but it didn't beat either show overall 18 to 34. But what it did was it got 913,000 viewers and a .42 in the 18 to 49 best AEW showing of the year. NXT- what didn't they do like a million in like back in September? Uh, the demo uh, figure was uh, the best. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, all right. All right. The, the, the <laughs> you know, the... De- no, the, it's, it's, the demo is impressive. No, it is. And then, yeah. um, then NXT did, I'm looking for this and I can't find the exact number on this. I don't think I copy and paste it here on my notes, but it looks like... Oh, they did uh, 689,000 viewers with 200, or the main event did 689 with 221,018 to 49. They got waxed in the demo. Um, I think it was like 0.14 or something ridiculous like that. Look, Sting being one of the major talking points coming out of this show, Tony Schiavone exuding glee like I haven't heard in a very long, long time at Sting. I don't know if they if they smartened him up to him coming out, but uh, an interesting segment, adding another veteran presence to the TNT and a guy known for TNT wrestling after getting misused in his stint in WWE, in my opinion. I don't know if he has many matches left in him, 
I don't know if I want many matches left. No, I, I don't know that I want many matches out of him. And I'm already a little worried in terms of is this going to be um, a longer term run or uh, maybe did they shoot their load? Um, I was worried when they said next week we're doing Sting Speaks. Because Sting Speaks, every time they do this, it's like I've seen several Sting Speaks. They're always duds. Sting is at his best when he says nothing. And, and hits I guys th- with bats. Yes. Yeah. And what I would do is, uh, if I was AEW, is I would avoid doing him actually speaking next week. And uh, maybe even take that moment to, like, quote-unquote, traumatize Sting um, to make him not want to speak or say anything and only speak through actions. Because um, that's how you're going to get the most out of him. And to your point, Jeff, I don't know that he needs to have a match. Um, in fact, Sting was the most over. When he wasn't having matches at all. Then how do you use him in a wrestling company? Um, a deus ex machina, like, plot device, like, that stings around. Like, he's like a spirit that kind of haunts the Federation in a way. Like Spectre in the DC universe? I know. Yeah, yeah. He can't, yeah. you know that reference? Uh, No. Okay. No, I don't. I'm just, I'm yes-handing. Just say, just (laughs) say... Well, Spectre is a uh, is a cop who died in the line of duty and then acts as a uh, a, as a exacting justice within within the DC universe. So you have you have that kind of supernatural force, I guess, who rights wrongs when necessary. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like he's almost like a, a Jack Tunney type figure, but like a modern day version of the Jack Tunney figure. Like at any point, Sting could come out. And when things are getting really messed up, there's always this hope that maybe Sting will be the one to come down there and right the wrong. Um, and it, But no, I, I think less is more with him. I don't want him to have in-ring matches. And I think, yeah, the, the less he says, the better. Not unless it's against Tully Blanchard. Then I'll, then I'll watch. But uh, yeah, maybe a six-man as a special event one time. He gets in, he does the stinger splash, scorpion, death drop, one, two, three. Uh, but uh, less will be more, so to speak, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that's the, dude, like his matches, uh, e- even in like the last in the last decade, they've not been very deep in terms of move sets or anything like that. Um, for the type of show that AEW does in terms of matches, I think it'd be hard to hide how limited Sting is in a singles match on the, AEW's product. Yes, the other major news coming out of this, Kenny Omega, now your AEW champion. Screw job finish with the help of one Don Callis of Impact Wrestling. The end of the night, eyeballs will were drawn to uh Kenny's appearance on Impact Wrestling on Tuesday nights on Access. I will I will not opine right now. I will allow you your opinion here, Chris, before I say anything. Please uh please give me your opinion on this. Um so I think on one level you have to admire how Impact Wrestling manages to hang on the precipice of death without ever dying and always finding ways to stay relevant now going into their third decade. Like, they're way more relevant than they should be. They should have gone under as a company a a gazillion times, but, like, they they have some degree of continuity. I think for their part of this, 
This is great. For Don Callis' part, like, this is the masterstroke. For AEW's part, I think that this hurts the prestige of the title because Omega's character is not a serious Ric Flair traveling heel champion character despite how he was dressing himself up last week he's like kind of a goofy banana peel full of himself touting all of his like hollow accolades sort of guy and this finish was so weak in terms of building him um even even the screw title change, um, the big ones back in the day, like when they would do a screw to really build the heel champion, the screw would feel like big. It'd feel like a really big moment. Um, Callus getting the mic into Kenny Omega came and went so fast um, that it you almost didn't see it. He's uh, like, "Oh, what happened? Oh, he hit him with the mic, I guess." Um, that's not how you make a strong traveling heel champion, in my opinion. And uh, I don't also don't like the... Look, I don't think Omega's a good promo. And I think doing this sort of traveling heel champion angle um, involves a lot of plot and a lot of talking being moved through the traveling heel champion. And I don't think Omega has been demonstrating uh, a, a real strength when it's been coming to promos lately. Well, I think that's why Callus may be with this act, and they may be doing a Heenan Bockwinkle type of thing. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM. You'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Even though, even though to compare, compare Kenny Omega to Nick Bockwinkle, yeah, I, I know, uh, I know, I, yeah, don't, I, don't, yeah, I don't, I don't. If you haven't it. watched those promos ever from the AWA guys, no, they're awesome. They're like, they're, they're awesome. like my, they're my favorite promos. Um, and I don't dislike Don Callis, but uh, Bobby Heenan, he is not. I, I felt it was a little too close to being WWE like in terms of the screwing. Uh, the champ type thing, and then running out of the building like Montreal, just a, just a tad. Uh, I do think Impact is in one of its better positions in terms of talent roster of people I like in a long, long time. Uh, you have, if there is a working relationship here, and I and this is what I tend to think. I tend to think a lot of this cooperation is to show AEW as more as the anti WWE again where we will work with smaller companies to help build them up and make, you know, rising tide raises all boats, even though what fans really want is AEW and New Japan to work together. But, you know, I will take a North versus FTR match, please. 
you know, you probably have some interaction with the good brothers in some way with the young bucks. Yeah, no, I think it spruces up divisions. It allows for a little bit of rotation from shows. Um, it allows AEW to essentially get free cameras on their talent and get free content. Um, you mean TNA what... or uh, Impact versus AEW? Because I don't understand what AEW gets out of this at all, other than uh, other than being generous. access to the access to the talent. Um, I suppose, okay. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I guess you're right. I think for TNA or Impact gets the they get the 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 benefit of the cameras and AEW gets the benefit of an expanded roster which is a thing they need AEW needs an expanded roster or impact cuz AEW has a bloated roster that they can't use all the guys to the point nah, where they're doing, two, uh, they're doing two and a half hour darks on YouTube to are get they really guys reps yeah that was what it was last week i don't know what it was this week whoa two and yeah. a half hour darks Yes. Longer than dynamite? Yes, like like Yeah, no, I, I just want to make sure that I'm understanding that like dark is now longer than dynamite. Yeah, cuz you and I skipped dark. Yeah, we and don't watch dark. It's one of those things where it's almost a battle of wills. And we'll get into this with NXT a little bit as well. But it's like the online content having to keep up with that, you know, plus BTE you know, for, for NXT, the, the, the stuff on WWE.com, it, it's like you have to keep up. It, it's almost like they're requiring you, if you want to be a completist, they're going to take up all your time, and it's a battle for, okay, you got to pick one or the other. But the question I was going to lead to originally before I got off on that tangent, thank you, Chris. Oh, yeah, oh, that was the worst <laughs> no. tangent we've ever been on. No, no, that no, was no, really, no, no, I'm no, sorry, no, no, no. little listeners. No, no, I was, I was, I was hoping oh. for, the, for the keyboard there. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> timing is impeccable by me today. Uh, I nailed the claps. Does either... <laughs> uh, <laughs> never mind. Never mind. There's a joke there, and I'm just going to go through it. Uh, does Sting or the Omega being champion going to different shows slash being the champ. Does either expand this pie of about a million and a half, and we'll include Raw and SmackDown in this, to two million viewers that are actual wrestling fans these days? Or is it just... Or is it just something that fans of the product already are just going to talk about? It'll get them excited. It, it might bring viewers from one Wednesday show to the other, but it won't expand into wrestling being cool per se. I think what would get additional eyes on the product is, uh, and I'm aware that this is not what's going to happen. And this is a proposition that will probably upset some in the audience, but an extended angle between sting and Shaquille O'Neal, who are two people <laughs> associated with this. You don't even necessarily have to have them touching, but like Everyone else on the roster, they're just dudes on a wrestling show. Because, like, wrestling doesn't have that level of cultural saturation that it once did. People still know who Sting is. People don't know who Shaq is. And if you say Shaq's having, like, a feud with Sting and they're doing it on this show, AEW, I think that might get some normie people, um, so to speak, to watch that angle and check out AEW to see the Sting versus Shaquille O'Neal angle. Um, but huh. 
does Sting move the needle in and of himself? Not necessarily. Um, but yeah, like as I said, Sha- Shaq might be a tool they could use, and Sting versus Shaq might be a tool that they could use. Like to be a guy who does can't miss promos. You know, if you get two or three of those guys, that will move the needle for me. And I, I think Moxley is close. I think MJF could be that guy, but he's now, I, I don't know. He's, he's kind of uh, veering towards the meta a little bit. I, I just don't know. I don't know what expands an audience base for wrestling, which already has a knock against it for being hokey. Like if you if you talk to normal people and you talk about professional wrestling, they just they just go that fake stuff. It oh, doesn't matter how I, good I, it I is. I will tell you the common response I get because I I just walked into a gas station this week and I heard on like the radio, um the the clerk was listening to behind like the the glass and everything, um he was listening to something that was about wrestling, um or at least they were talking about wrestling on the radio. And Did you plug I, your show, Chris? Come on. No, I, I didn't <laughs> plug the show. No, I'm not that much of a cad. I um, am. Are, are you? Are you? Yeah. Um, no, no, I do. I just like I'll ask someone if they like wrestling. Right. The response I get so often is this phrase back in the day. Yeah. Back in the day. It's um, cool when it, I was a kid. Well, I yeah. When, when yeah. When I was a kid back in the day. And I, and I don't know if that's just because children are prone to, you know, talking crap and fake fighting. Yeah, I or, mean, there's something about jumping off the top ropes and hitting the elbow drop and stuff that is cool. But, like, I, I think there's something more to it. Like, the, the fact that Ric Flair hasn't wrestled a good match in, like, 15 years is... And yet he still has people's imagination, people still do, like, the woo and everything like that. It's a testament, obviously, to the longevity of his career. But people still talk about Macho Man, and Macho Man hasn't been with us for a long time. Yeah, the iconic character, the strength of character in addition to being a compelling in-ring performer. And I I just, look, I love AEW, and I know a lot of people have a lot of emotion invested in, well, if you put on good three, four-star wrestling matches every week and you do something like a PWG super indie on television, it'll draw viewers, and I just have my doubts. I have my doubts about that. Uh, no, it'd have to be like big promos and stuff, but yes, it, yeah, it, but to jumpstart new eyeballs, pop culture angle. So like, it, it, as weird as it sounds, like the, the Jay Leno stuff and the Carl Malone stuff on WCW, that was part of what got normal people to tune in and see what the hell was going on in that WCW show. Let's see if he falls on his face. There was kind of that that uh, that almost like when they watch. Uh, like the big, the big thing these days. Oh, around the, the Mike Tyson, the, the, the Mike Tyson yes. thing. No, no, I, like, thing? yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's a really good example because God, I got stuck watching that thing uh, over the weekend here. Uh, this is not on the show slate, but uh, I got stuck watching that thing and people were talking about that constantly and the quality of the work was crappy. It just had, Oh, it was a complete work because there was no way that was a draw. I mean, I also agree with you on that front. (laughs) But but the whole thing was to get people sucked in to watch it. Yeah. To see if either would get knocked out or if they would really start throwing blows. And there was an entire work throughout the way to set up for a rematch, in my opinion. Yeah. I I do. I, I I think it was promoter BS, 
you know, work enough to be good. And then the judges, which, you know, they said they weren't going to be judging, quote unquote, but we decided to bring in judges anyways, as opposed to it being an exhibition. We're there to basically call it a draw no matter what happened so that people would then buy the next one. But but what I was going to say was was they were watching Leno and Carl Malone almost as a freak show, much like they watch live musicals on network television to see if anybody screws up. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. It's, it, a, it's, it's, not, a, it's a gawk quality. I, I it's mean, it's not so, yeah. interested in, in wrestling, though. So that's why I kind of go. Is there any staying power to growing the pie or anything? You have to have a good show built around that angle. So, like, Sting and Shaquille O'Neal are not going to sell AEW for you. Um, you're going to have to have that as, like, a main event thing. And, or, you know, Jericho and Shaq and Sting involved in some angle. Because Jericho's song's somewhat popular. Um, you, you have something like that going on in the main event. And then you have other good matches along the way and, and a signature promo or something. Build something that might draw people, but like, it takes a long time. Um, and it, does AEW it, get over a million next week? No. Okay. No. I, I mean, I I'd like for them to prove me wrong, but I I think uh, they hit a million once. That's basically their cap. Um, I don't I don't see them getting a million next week. Is there anybody on the roster who could cut a promo so compelling that they could grow to a million? In your opinion. Um, I thought MJF at one point in this year, and I'm sure he can get back there, but not right now where he's at with this character and this, this current feud, like Moxley's promos. Don't think he's like a needle mover like that. Um, uh, no. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be like. Cruel no, or I, mean or anything I, like I'm that. I'm sorry I, to put you on the spot like that. No, I, 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 it's a good question. Um, I don't. Uh, you, you know, I, man, I, you know, I like good promos. And it doesn't um, need to be, you know what? It, and I'm just going to lay this out there. You don't need a large audience. Like ER used to get 30 million every week. Um, on network television. It, you just have to George have. George Clooney was dreamy though. Yes, I know. I know. I'll never look like him. Anthony Edwards, you know, everybody I'll never look like him either. Uh, But the thing was, you can now succeed as a niche product. You don't need to necessarily grow out and be, you know, water cooler talk every week. You can be the the show that, you know, a million and a half people. But you want to see some movement in this brand, right? Like, you know, we're not. I'm sure people have gathered this who still listen to this show. We're not the ratings wars guys, um, and you will not be getting um, passionate week-to-week coverage of the rating war stuff because, for me, it's always been about, like, the longer trend. Do they break a million? Do they break a million five? Do they make break two? Uh, to your point, I don't think they need to, like, be pulling in mash finale numbers every week. Right? Well, let me, let me cut you off because you, you raised my next question before we move on to NXT. Is this a death knell? In terms of the balance, I mean, do these does this nine hundred thousand number continue, or do we go back to more of the, you know, eight hundred versus seven hundred fifty thousand type viewer levels, or is this nine sixty to six hundred from here on out? That's what I I just have a very hard time seeing it going regularly beyond a million. 
Um, I, I don't. I. I mean, wish... does N- but what I'm saying is, does NXT have Stay a problem a... in terms of they've now become old hat? And I, and I do. Tend oh to yeah, think- no, no, they've totally become old hat. Um, I, you know, it's kind of crazy, dude. Like NXT UK right now feels more like. NXT. It feels more like a wrestling show than, than NXT, NXT does. does. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it, it has more of the flavor. So no, um, yeah, no, NXT US is no longer a hot brand. Um, uh, what I do think AEW's performance is indicative of is that NXT and the Vince strategy for NXT, um, or whatever the booking patterns are that are going on around NXT have just completely devoured the credibility and the goodwill towards NXT US. Um, and, and that's a damn shame because there are good stuff on NXT US, like for example, Pat McAfee. Um, but like the way they do all of the mid card booking on NXT US is is just um it's this feels like main yeah. roster yeah. malaise and especially just cuz you brought that up the Jake Atlas reboot here oh my god that promo okay that promo felt like it was from the 1988 cocaine before the promo era <laughs> i am so excited yes i won a week after getting getting the enhancement talent entrance where you just have your name on, on the, on the Chiron and get crushed. Now's the time we got to reheat up Jake Atlas who should be a star and should be out there. I, I get mad about this because AEW wanted to put him on the forefront of what they wanted to be in terms of, uh, uh, diversity. Sure. Marketing. Uh, and, and he's just a dude who they're trying to build up into another two a cruiserweight match with a guy that has so much more star potential, even though his flunkies are now getting beat left and right, which makes him less special in some ways, uh, because that entire stable just looks like one guy in two red shirts. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, that's not uncommon, though, whenever they make stables like that. Other things I liked. On NXT, before we get to the preview of War Games here, which we can talk about other things. I liked the simplicity of the build for the strap match. You have an enhancement match. Cameron Grimes beats the win. He brings out the strap. He whips the guy for a couple times. Cuts this promo about, you know, with false bravado and everything. Not paying attention to what's going on. Loomis is behind him. And then, and then it freaks him out. He gets whipped a couple times and has to run off. If this feud hadn't been going for six months already, this would have been an awesome promo, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I thought the beat was great. And Cameron Grimes, as this character, is a hoot. And I think they do a good... Because of his match style, whenever they need to rebuild him, he gets rebuilt pretty successfully, I'd say. I agree. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, no, this, this is this is fun. It's still weird that Dexter Loomis is a babyface stalker, <laughs> babyface serial killer, almost even. Yes, <laughs> with some <laughs> connection to the undead antihero. Yeah, yeah, it's such a. 
that's the guy. That's the face of our division. That guy right there. <laughs> they, they zoom in, and the crowd's like, Dexter, Dexter. Thank then, you, Dexter. <laughs> thank you, Dexter. <laughs> and, you know, and obviously, the, you know, after that, it's like, well, who else can we get that's a serial killer? How about that slapjack guy who wears a hockey mask? That guy's not, he's not a serial killer. Uh, he just has why weird twitching. Say, why would you say that? Uh, something I liked, but was a complete waste of time. I love Everrise. I want Malcolm Bivens to be their manager. Malcolm Bivens making a very short cameo on this NXT show during the I, Timothy Thatcher segment. I liked the after the match promo from Everrise yes. where they, they we arrived. <laughs> Some of their best stuff is on WWE.com on social media. I retweet it as best as I can. It should be on the TV to explain these guys and their delusional heeldom. I like that they're in the ring. I like that Imperium comes in, kicks their ass, throws them out of the ring. I like having the grizzled young veterans versus Imperium. I like having teams of self-interest eventually colliding. I don't mind heel versus heel matches in that way. What I do mind is 20 minutes of wrestling before Everrise comes in and makes this a total schmoz DQ. It's the correct booking thing. It just is way too much time before pulling the trigger on that. Right. Because there's there's no point to it. There's no story being told here other than these two great teams are eventually going to fight, probably in a three-way where Everrise gets beat. Uh, <laughs> I would actually but I like... I love all three of these teams. These This, this strong tag division warms the cockles of my heart chris i love this when they when they tease the three-way match it makes me think ever will get a delusional heel victory here somehow i wouldn't um, mind that either I yeah really no would. no no I, I wouldn't mind that at all I, I think that would that would get these two going um i yeah no it look uh i like grizzly young veterans i like imperium i like seeing these guys clash i i'm i'm here for this match i almost uh, want them to do a throwback to nxt uk yeah, mentioned mention their time there to kind of build this history between these two factions not liking each other. But I love all three of these teams. There's not a good guy amongst them. Don't get me wrong. I think so. They'll probably end up like throwing in a Breezango and making it a four way, which would just yeah. Ruin it. What, what, I I hate that because I think it's so much more interesting to take these three teams that are all kind of unlikable and decide that you're going to try to emphasize like the positive qualities of one of them. And the easiest one, in my opinion, to do that with is Zach Gibson. Just like Zach Gibson go out there because he can. He he's such a compelling talker. He can compel you in either direction. We'll talk about the rest of a NXT show in our takeover preview. Once again, the usual five matches to keep us interested on paper. It's an interesting card, but again, I don't doubt war games and I don't doubt NXT takeovers. I have a problem with war games in some instance because I've been listening to the uh, lapsed fan do their recaps of each year's war games. And I, I've, I've, a, there's a point that was made on there that, that I, I feel strongly about a war games match should not just be a match. You could do in a cage. There should be a point to this and it should be more vicious, more brutal, more fight like versus doing big moves off tops of cages and stuff. I like having the top there, but this is what we're going to get every year. And so I have to be happy with that. Opening up. Timothy Thatcher versus Tommaso Ciampa in a singles match. Here for this. Problem is, I didn't want Thatcher tapping out two weeks ago. 
to, to make him weak. I just want two bullies fighting each other here, Chris. What's wrong with that? I liked that Thatcher got Champa out cold here, but that might have even been too much, and you're dead on uh, him tapping out. Uh, a couple of weeks ago to Kushida was really kind of ridiculous. Um, I also like that the students have kind of drank the Kool-Aid. Well, they can't all be bad students, right? Like, like it, it would, it would almost, it would kill Thatcher if every one of his students was like secretly loathed him. Like, what does that say about Thatcher's intellect? So, but, it but, makes... we, ha- but we have to keep together to keep, you know, <laughs> the, the school requires that we stay together, everybody. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, uh, also they, you know, Thatcher just points to Austin Gray and says, like, this guy's not doing anything, or August Gray. Well, he's paying the dues, you know, yeah, he pays yeah, the well, monthly dues, and, you know, we need to keep, <laughs> Thatcher's school is just like an improv theater. <laughs> <laughs> he pays it, the dues to keep the rent going, <laughs> so we got to keep him around, even though he's a lousy student. The Thatcherite <laughs> Citizens Brigade. The th- <laughs> Oh, that pops me and three other people, but it's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I want levels. Well, you know, you're not you're not a strong enough student to go to level two of Thatcher's Thatch can. You have to repeat level oh, one, but we'll give it to you at half price. <laughs> that'd be great. Like hit basic headlocks. Like he makes you retake basic headlocks because, like, he he quote unquote finds flaws in your techniques. I've taken level one three times. Why can't I go to level two with my friends? Well, you got to learn the basics before you can do the advanced work right now. I just want to see that you care about hammer locks. They're important. <laughs> you know, you just don't have the thatch basics just yet to do deep. <laughs> I almost said deep scene work, but <laughs> you know, we got, we have industry coming and we have a reputation to maintain. Oh. You're out here and you want to do bridging suplexes. You don't understand the fundamentals you of a takedown. You need to learn an ankle lock first before you start doing and that fancy stuff. Single leg crab. Again. Other oh. leg. Oh, who do you have winning this? Uh, in the war games? No, 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 no. Thatcher Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> You're already done with this show. The hell with this. No, I'm not. I'm I'm very into it. I'm into this show. <laughs> um, I think that uh, Thatcher beats Champa. Oh, uh, interference or, or yeah, or I I think like maybe we see the debut of a new student. I like his best student, his star pupil. I just think Champa's too big of a name to beat here. And I just think they just don't view Thatcher. I think they view Thatcher as amusing and they can build him up as a tough guy occasionally, but I don't see where he goes after beating Champa. So I just think hey, Champa gets built up to face uh uh who's the champ? I can't remember. Oh yeah, uh, I know. That Finn that's Balor. Was Finn Balor. Hmm. See whereas I see Thatcher is the more natural guy. So like Thatcher okay. if he wins if he wins he can go up against Leon Ruff and say that Leon Ruff's not a legitimate <laughs> champion because I think Ruff's going to win that match. Um, or he can go up against Finn Balor, um, both both of whom are kind of more natural. I wouldn't say more natural, but but 
reasonable and logical fits. You know what? You've talked me into it. I'm going to change my mind and say Thatcher wins this to get built up for a title match. Yeah. Of some point. Okay. I Because I guess you can... You'd always heat up Chompa at any point because he's such a presence and such a fan. He's favorite. a former champion and like an icon of NXT branding. Yeah, no, I, he's 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 the guy who does not need the win. Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes in the aforementioned strap match. I want to know if this is just a pinfall or if this is one of those four corners BS strap matches that you do where you connect the two guys and they have to hit the four corners in order to win. I hate those matches. I hope this is just one fall. But uh, I'll go first here. I think because WWE booking is quite predictable now in NXT, I think because Dexter Loomis got the upper hand, I think Cameron Grimes wins this. Somehow wins this? Yeah. Yeah. To the moon! To the moon! I got it. He is such a character. Um. Yeah. I think Grimes, or I think uh, I'm gonna go the other way. I'm gonna say Loomis wins. I, I okay. just like I don't think they're emotionally invested in this feud, and they're not particularly worried about either guy and building either one. Leon Ruff, your NXT North American champion, getting engaged to NXT referee who was also a former talent, by the way, uh, taking on Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest in a triple threat match. What did you think of uh, Leon Ruff getting a win on the Go Home show? I mean, he needs wins. They need yes. to present him as credible. Um, yes. Yeah, so it's better than him not getting a win. Uh, I just don't think they've done a very good job with him. I agree. Yeah. Uh, you think Leon Ruff wins this. Does he win f- Banana Peel when the other two fight? Uh, is it... A strong win for Leon no, Ruff? it's gonna be banana peel again. I don't. They're still not invested in the guy, and you st- you see that in the the entrance and everything. Like he he's a punchline to them still. Um, I think so. I I think that's gonna stay. Uh, but I think he's gonna get a banana peel win. Um, it might even be a banana peel win that like uh overhypes his confidence and makes him a, a dick. Almost heelish. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the, that's the fear here. Yeah. And just like. God, can we build up an underdog to be a yeah? Can we just fella? make me like this guy? Because yeah, no, he's he's right on the edge of delusional baby face. Here's how I think it goes down. Just viewing it right now, I think eventually this three way breaks down, and Gargano and Priest end up teaming up to take out Ruff in a big spot, say like a table breakage or something to that effect, and those two fight, and then at some point Ruff sneaks back in, throws out. Gargano pins Damian Priest for the win. Oh, okay. Or I think maybe... Priest. Lo- I think Priest takes the fall here. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that builds to Leon Ruff versus Damian Priest. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we agree there. First of the two War Games matches on your card. Don't know where they'll be on the actual card, but the undisputed era: Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly. Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish, they of the Blues Brothers Reservoir Dog suits, going out to dinner, acting kind of faux horsemen, taking on... I <laughs> love how they call this Team McAfee. I thought they were going to call them the Kings of NXT, but it is Pat McAfee. And they're the not best. for the brand? I thought they were for the brand. Yeah, Pat McAfee, Pete Dunne, Danny Burch, and Oni Lorcan. Uh, I... 
I just love the simplicity of Pat McAfee saying, we're great and you all suck. Yep. I think that is such a great heel move. I love his fake bravado. And then when Pete speaks, kind of the shock and awe on Pat McAfee's face as, holy crap, I got a killer on my team. And it just increases his bravado and also Danny Birch's. I thought this Undisputed Era vignette wasn't good. There was nothing to it. There was nothing to it. Yeah, right. No, that, I, I, I agree Look, with you. It wasn't good. they're in suits and they're going out to eat. And, they're t- and, and the problem is they're not talking like real people. They're talking about the thing, which is a killer in action movies and <laughs> improv scenes of all varieties talking about the thing. Hey, guys, what are we going to do in this war games match? Uh, I don't know. Let's just fight people. Okay, that's great. There's, there's no depth to it. There's nothing to this. No, what you need is like Bobby Fish being uh, like kind of a goofy jerk trying to like pour peppers. Showing some personality. Yeah, Each like trying to put salt onto everybody. Like, like, he's like, I'm going to pour salt on you. You know, like like that guy. Like, they, like they're actually having fun. Like the message you want to get across here is unlike McAfee's team, which as McAfee does a great job illustrating repeatedly in this promo is, is a team that is not built around love. It's a team built around money. He doesn't actually even really like Lorcan and Birch. He only hired them because they took out his first assassin and Pete Dunn. He likes Pete Dunn, but like Pete Dunn, it's clear. Doesn't but like Pete him. Dunn doesn't like anybody it, on that team. Team, Right. They're, he they're, has a personal vendetta against Roddy strong and the rest of the undisputed era. And the money's good. As, yes. as McAfee likes to point out. So what needs to be contrasting that mercenary thinking? I love me mercenaries in wrestling, Chris. That's what so I what needs to be this. contrasting. That is the undisputed era, having love and friendship and at like it, community um, and like support. And it like, uh, there are all, all the things that are absent from McAfee's group. Um, they're not, go, they're not hot shotted. They have a, I'm sorry. They're not, they, they aren't hot-shotted together like McAfee. This yes. is a team that paid their dues and won through time. They're not fake. They're not allies of convenience. They're friends. Um, those are the contrasts that need to be there. Yeah, and I think it really needs to go through Kyle O'Reilly. Yes. Who, who, who after the Finn Balor match, kind of got a nice rub as being, you know, tough guy who failed valiantly. Um, I know at the time they're going to have Roddy and Fish turn on him, I think. But at the same time, also in this ladder match, failed valiantly while getting screwed out of that. He needs to be kind of brooding here, and the rest of the guys need to kind of be rallying around Kyle as, hey, look, we're still great. We haven't lost anything about this. We've been in every war games since the inception. You know, we need to really... Oh, Adam yeah, we, Cole giving Kyle O'Reilly a big pep talk yes. um, and talking about how he really looks up to him um, and how, like, for a long time, everyone from the outside looking in looked at him as the leader. And, you know, he was the champion and everything like that. But he always thought that Kyle was the toughest guy. And over the last month and a half or whatever, he's really seen that out of Kyle and he really respects and admires him and maybe end it with like, hey, can you teach me that elbow thing? or something like that at the end of it to just get over that Kyle is formidable and um every like and, and more importantly that Adam Cole has shifted from back when he was champion 
and now kind of um, is a little more humble, a little wiser, and a little more open and a better leader. Who wins? I think that McAfee's team wins. Okay. I think I agree with you. I think McAfee's team wins. Do we see the dissolution of the Undisputed Era in the process? Ooh, what would be interesting is if McAfee's paid off somebody in the UE like Roddy. Okay. Do you think that happens? That's what I'm asking. Let, let, let's put it on the line. Let's make a little prop bet. Let's does, make it does Roddy get bought off? Is the Roddy betrayal? Mi- yes. I'm going to say, like, yeah. I, I'm going to say it's Roddy who's the betrayer, and I'm going to say the Roddy Back betrayal. Back to teaming with Pete Dunn after turning on him, huh? Because that's it, part that, of the story. That would actually, okay, but that would actually make a, a really fun next chapter for McAfee trying to manage that Dunn and Roddy in the same Save, stable. stable and he's just trying to manage oh, it all I love with that money idea. no I that'd be that really idea, I don't know if they do that but that'd be really fun yeah I know it's fantasy booking I know I yeah yeah idea. but it, it's intriguing it, um, yeah yeah or, or I guess you could buy off fish if you don't want to get that fancy pants with fish it. is easy to beat yeah and I, I don't yeah, say that I don't say too. that derogatively but he's no, always like fish, the guy but, yeah. who takes the fall if you need to uh yeah, so I think under, I think uh, McAfee's team wins. I will say, I will say nobody turns in this match because I think the women's war games is going to be convoluted as hell, and I'll tell you why in a second. But I think they just beat them straight up, and then there's dissension amongst the four of them, and they tell this story, and eventually they get back on the same page. And then we get to the women's war games match. Team Shotzi, Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai. No surprises forthcoming as yet. Versus Team Candice, Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and Tony Storm. Shotzi Blackheart wins the person advantage in this match, which ruins the entire psychology of war games. I know. Unless you do one of two things. Somebody gets knocked out before the match or there's a heel turn within it or somehow the baby faces can't even the odds. Like you gimmick the cage again or something to that effect. And that's why I think this is going to be convoluted because I think, I think there's a story here and I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be Rhea and Io not getting along. I don't know if it's going to be like my thought was possibly some heel gimmicks the babyface cage, which leads the first person in the war games, probably EO, to be stuck with a four-on-one beatdown. And then eventually they get the other people freed and becomes four-on-four the match beyond. Or you get Indy Hartwell <laughs> coming into the cage to make it five-on-four. There, this can't go on straight. Yeah, all right, all right. so I, I think I've got it. So the the advantage for the babyface can be turned into a disadvantage because there are more heels outside of the cage than inside of the cage. So the heels can get out of their holding cage and attack the babyfaces who are still stuck out. So essentially, like, you, you turn what would be the, the man advantage into the man disadvantage outside, and the right. heels gain advantage on the outside. Because um, I don't know who... I don't know who's the betrayer 
out of these four. Like maybe there's some dissension between Yo or Rhea or something like that. Maybe. I hope to God they don't turn Rhea heel. I know. Right. It, I mean, they might do that because they've been lazy with how they book her. But like, and it was terrible. Mm. Bringing in her own personal self-doubt after that terrible booking of her in WrestleMania. Why would you do that to a person you want to be a star? Because you don't want them to be a star. Oh, I, I... A, a person who is very obviously star-level talent. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I want to make it clear. I like Rhea Ripley and think she is a star. It's just, if you don't book them like that, then, you know... They are what they are. I mean, when this was originally a TBA instead of Io Shirai, I thought possibly Sasha Banks as number four because this is, you know, the kind of the Kevin Owens, but this run of Sasha is to keep her happy. And I know she really kind of wants to do these types of things, these legendary matches like war games. I, I just don't know. I, I feel like this is going to be way overbooked. And after last year, a match with Shotzi Blackheart. Really, you think that's going to be overbooked? <laughs> oh, she got her tank. She has superpowers. I- I'll tell you, she's good in a ladder match. Like there are certain, she has certain. She's good weird... in the hardcore garbage matches. Yeah, where she has to do yeah no, she's got a she's got a charisma about her. She works for some of this branding stuff. Like there are lots of things that Shotzi does well. I will give her that. I just think after last year and the and the real, I mean, it was convoluted booking, but it was fun watching the Tegan Knox turn that that uh, Dakota Kai did, and you know, seeing a four on two. But uh, you know, it's usually you you have to do that one year, and then you have to kind of back off and do the normal four on four. I just don't see how you do that with the baby faces having the advantage because it ruins the psychology. And I don't, I think Rhea turns on her team. That's my only, I think the big spot here is that Indy Hartwell at some point comes into the ring and Ember does the eclipse off the top of the cage. That'll be my call. I think Io Shirai does a moonsault at some point off the top of the cage, but I think also we get an eclipse off the top of the cage at some point. I'll call that spot. Uh you know, you just reminded me of a thing that I, I almost failed to mention, and I think it's worth mentioning because it was almost not memorable at all, uh, which was Jeff Hardy once again nearly killed himself during a meaningless match here this week. Uh, oh, the we, Symphony of Destruction match? Which yeah. I completely glossed over because I have no interest in it. No, I have no interest in it, but like he nearly killed himself with that ladder. Yes. Yeah, that was insane. Yes. Well, you know, it's it's big moments. Got to get those big moments in. But yeah, Jeff killing himself as an almost 40 as a 40 something year old man who they think is 20. He's not it's indestructible hard to watch now. Yes, it, I don't like it makes me uncomfortable. Um, I I heard you heard commentary get kind of uneasy calling that spot. I, watching them play it back and rewatching it. I did not. I, I don't like watching him do this to himself, especially for nothing. For nothing in these yes. nothing matches. Yes, because he has a limit now, and he's not the superstar he once was. And they make him go out there and act like the twenty-year-old Jeff Hardy. Still, I just oh, but we're we're getting off track here, and uh, and the booze is flowing, so <laughs> so time is not on my side. Okay. Uh, okay. 
it feels like the psychology of this match is baby faces win to get back at the destruction of Shotzi's tank. I feel like that reveal's coming, Chris. I feel like that's part of this match. Oh, maybe Indy Hartwell gets rid over by the tank. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope Rhea Ripley does not go heel. Although <laughs> I would be here for a Rhea Ripley, Raquel Gonzalez women's tag team title run as twin towers, killing fools. I, uh, but you got Tony storm on this heel team and you got to keep her strong too. I think so. Uh, give me your pick and, uh, and I'll, I'll try and rationalize. Um, I think baby faces win this. I because they just they, they really this company does like Shotzi Blackheart as a branding tool. And that's that's what I'm gonna stick with. I'm gonna say stick with the uh the Shotzi being the driver here and she's the star of this match. Is there a heel turn or is it just we get five on four with Indy Hartwell coming yeah, in? Yeah, I think Indy Hartwell comes in and evens the odds. Maybe she gets into the ring really early. Um, and so while all the she comes other- in as part of team Candace and they say, well, it's not against yeah. the rules cause it's no DQ. Right. And, and they more, just more importantly, the match hasn't started yet. Yeah. Oh yeah. The match beyond hasn't started yet. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I will. I will go with you on that pick. I will say that uh baby faces win. I do not think there will be a heel turn either, but I do think the five on four will nullify the baby faces man advantage. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We'd like to thank my bookie once again. Use code ROPES. Double your first deposit. Everybody, please stay safe out there. I'm a little emotional over what's happening in Los Angeles and the lockdowns. But I will not be seeing my family this year for Christmas. Uh, make the sacrifices you need out there. Uh, you can follow me at CrapGame13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. Uh <laughs> How heavy is politics right now for your uh, don't worry about the government, Chris? Um, you know, December's always a little uh it's a little bit lighter cuz you know like holiday season and all that stuff. Um, but I actually got uh, on the video side over at patreon.com/dwatg there's like two video episodes up. It looks like now cuz I'm working during the week I will be taping stuff and then get around to actually editing the audio here over the weekends. But uh, there, there'll be two new episodes out here. Um, and if you want to hear me talk about Nero Tandon, um, who, who doesn't want to hear about Nero Tandon? Who doesn't love talking about Nero Tandon? You can hear that over um, on YouTube right now. There's a YouTube clip from episode 493 up there. So go and check that out if you want to hear me talk about her. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>